All right. Back to gardening. And uh, I'm just going to go straight to the phone lines this time. We don't need to make any pauses here. It's going to be Kim, Thomas, Jeanette, and Dwight. And Kim is up first. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm calling because I have some friends who are putting some plants in 10-inch pots. And you sort of answered part of it from a previous caller. I was looking up the salvias. Right. And so I was going to give them, I have a bunch of mule blue sage, which the evolution is some sort of cultivar of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I looked up eye, uh, eyelash, which looks good. It's a... a Salvia blepharophylla. Salvia, <laughs> yes. And, um, but the uh, the meadow sage, I came up with a lot of, one is nemorosa. Yeah, nemorosa. Is, which is, one was Sylvestris, but they no. were all called meadows. Yeah, no, Nimorosa is the, I try not to bore people. I have to know botanical names because that's the only way I can order them and be sure I'm getting what I want to buy. But Salvia right. Nimorosa is the meadow sage that I was speaking of. There's some okay. others that are beautiful. Um, Sylvestris, I believe, has a little lighter blue flower. But uh, the Nimorosa is uh, it's just gorgeous, and it, it's just so well, hardy. They need something for that, yeah, for it's going to get afternoon sun, and I start, started giving them a list. It doesn't have to be a salvia. Oh no! Um, but do, can you give me any? Um, like I thought I would get what you thought would do the best in a smaller. You know, I think ten inches a smaller pot, but that w- could handle the hot Texas afternoon sun. They're willing to water every day, and sure. I told them to put saucers underneath it. To, yep. You know, well, like you're the, you're yeah. telling them right. Uh, there are lots of things, Kim. Um, there are a number of smaller salvias out there these days. The bandana series. There there are a bunch of smaller salvias. One of my favorite is called multi dwarf flowers that change color. Uh, pink skull cap is a wonderful summertime flower that that'll be fine in a ten inch pot. Uh, Blackfoot daisy is a low growing uh, native yeah. perennial. <laughs> I didn't think about that one, but that is a good one. I I gave them mostly natives, yeah. but I yeah, I didn't think of blackfoot daisy. That's a good idea. Yeah, blackfoot daisy, uh, the the skull caps. Uh, now in annuals, uh, I love little profusion zinnias. I think it's barely time because it's a hot weather lover, but there are some incredible <laughs> periwinkles, vinco, whichever name you want to call them by. Um, some of these new series out there, Tattoo, and of course the one's been around for three or four years called Cora. Uh, lots of different colors, but it's one of the more phytophthora resistant ones. But periwinkles are just almost impossible to beat for a container plant that'll take all the sun. The low growing zinnias like Profusion, the Profusion series. I'm not crazy about the pink because it fades in the summer, but the orange and the yellow and the one they call Fire Profusion, which which is a red orange. Uh, these would be incredible pots for someone to grow. Uh, Angelonia is a plant that's uh, just they've they've had a bunch of new hybrids on the market the past two or three years. But Angelonia blooms beautifully all summer long, and it's fine in a pot. Um, I can keep going. <laughs> I, I can fill up about as many ten-inch pots as you want, and. Uh, And you hit it right on the head when saying these folks were willing to water because it does not hurt these plants to be root-bound. In fact, they're happiest if they are root-bound, but the more root-bound they become, the faster they dry out, and you do have to be there to water them. But uh, you... 
you can have just an incredible flower garden in pots. Okay. Well, I will. What about pentas? I have read yep. that. I mean, I've yep. never grown them, but I, I pentas. Yeah, I I would probably go with something like the butterfly series, uh, which are sort of medium height. But pentas will be fine in the sun. I don't think they're quite as tough as the zinnias are, but uh, pentas are sun lovers and uh, several different heights, uh, basically reds, pinks, whites, and lavenders, but uh, uh, they're fine in the sun, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, I will um, I'll add some of these. I, the blackfoot daisy, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Pot. I didn't know. Actually, I've never, I have it, but it's in the ground. Yeah. So I, well, I'm just trying to give you sure. things that, that bloom constantly. There are things that have a fairly right. short blooming season that would also be fine, but I, I'm looking for things that are going to bloom from April all the way through October, and I think most all the things I've mentioned to you will fill that right. need. And that's what they're looking for. Yeah. So, great. Thank you so much. You are certainly welcome. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll speak to Thomas. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Got a, got a couple of questions for you i planted a big pot oh i guess bigger than a, a whiskey barrel of this uh nevada lettuce yeah i planted these on the third and i there's not not even a sprout and i use this uh johnny's uh pellet you know this seed that's coated yeah and i was real careful about them you know i didn't uh, i just dust i planted them shallow about, oh, maybe at the most an eighth of an inch. Uh-huh. And I was real careful about not covering them up too much and all and, and that. And I watched my water. In fact, you know, I called you last week about right. watering them. And I I hadn't had a spread. <laughs> I keep looking at them things. There's nothing going on. Well, be sure. I think we talked about watering with a mister. Be sure you're yeah. watering enough to get that water down into the soil and um, um, the other thing to watch out for are pill bugs and things like that. I had one year that I was trying some of this stuff, and I thought it wasn't sprouting, but it was sprouting overnight, and the pill bugs were eating it before I got out there to see it in the morning. So you might put a little Sluggo Plus around, but... Um, well, there's no pill bugs. I got them up high enough, so uh-huh. now, you know, I can see them. That's in a big, uh, big, great big pot, bigger than a whiskey barrel. And they're out in, in where they get good sun. And that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, well, it's, yeah, partly, I mean, but not, not real hot and not directly in the sun. Well, it, they need uh, they need some direct sun. It, it They may be uh, still, you know, just a little bit cool. Lettuce does grow um, it, with cooler 20, soil. 20 days already. That's I know. Yeah, no, they, they should have been up 10 days ago. If you can move them out to a sunnier spot, I think they're just not getting the sun they need. Okay. And, uh, another thing I want to ask you what about caladiums is it too, too early to plant caladiums. It's too ground? early. In my opinion, it's too early to plant bulbs. Uh, but once yeah. the bulb is up and growing, they're fine. So if you go to a nursery that has little plants up and growing, you can set those out in a pot. Yeah. You could probably plant them in a pot because that soil is going to be warmer, 
but I'm still going to wait a week or 10 days to put them in the ground because it, it was well, in the 40s at my house this morning, 50s here in San Antonio, and that soil's just still too chilly. But once they're up and growing, that soil temperature isn't nearly as important. So if you want to have some caladiums for Easter tomorrow, just uh, visit a good nursery and get some little pots of them already up and growing. Uh, but what about uh, transplanting bamboo? Um, it's pretty easy, you know, from one place and moving it to another. Yep. You might as well go ahead and cut the tall tops off of it down to about a foot to 18 inches high. Um, bamboo, the taller cane bamboos, when you transplant them, it has always been my experience that for the first year or two, they don't come out and get real tall. They make plenty of leaves. They're rebuilding that root system. And by about the third year, they're up to being, you know, the big old tall bamboo you were used to. But uh, the big cane type bamboos, uh, transplant them, uh, cut them up, divide them, whatever. Just recognize it'll be about two years before they go back to making the real tall plants again. Okay. Okay, Bob, that's all I have right now. You know where to find me if you come up with more, Thomas. Always good to talk to you. All right, let's get back to gardening here on this uh, wonderful Easter Saturday. We're going to talk to Jeanette and Dwight and Rosa. One open line. Grab it if you like. I say good morning, Jeanette. Good morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. I'm wanting to know about a rangoon creeper. Okay. Is it like? Is it a sun lover? Does it like shade? I mean, it's a sun lover. It is one of the fastest growing vines I have ever seen. It's one of the most fragrant vines. Uh, my business partner, who lives north of Bergheim up in the hill country, has had it growing over Owen oh, Arbor over a gate for years. It always freezes in the winter, but it it never fails to come back and. It will go from being just sprouted to being six feet tall within probably 10 days. It's right up there with Queen's Crown as far as runs the fastest growing vines. The flowers are incredible. Uh, they sort of change color over a three-day period. And when it comes in full bloom, just on, on Roberta's little arbor there, I've seen times that there were probably a 100 or more flower clusters, making it more like two or 3,000 flowers open. And you can smell it from 100 feet away. I just it, it loves the sun, but it is a fantastic plant if you got room for it to grow. That's true. Um, I... Uh I think it's one of the most beautiful plants that Mother Nature made. I oh, yeah. love it. So pretty. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've never been to Burma, but it must, uh, uh, if, that, if that's where it came from, and from the name Rangoon Creeper, you would think, uh, I guess we have to call it Miamir now, we can't call it Burma, but if that's what the jungle's full of, it must be a beautiful, fragrant place, but uh, I'll recommend it to you very highly. I I have no negatives. I've never seen an insect problem on it. Uh uh, but the hummingbirds seem to like it, uh, see butterflies on it periodically. It does take some room. It needs something to grow up and on, and it is gonna, it is gonna be a vigorous grower. But if you have a place for it, uh, absolutely incredible vine. And also on, uh, um, oh gosh, um, trying to think of that spice that we use, uh, I have the upright on it, and, but I was wondering if, if the, the lighting one is better for you, or does it matter? Now, are we talking rosemary or? Yeah, 
Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Okay. I am told, I'm, I guess my palate is not sensitive enough, but I'm told that the spreading, the prostrate form, is a little bit better from a culinary standpoint. Uh, the color, the uh, prostrate may suffer cold damage if it gets below 15 degrees. The upright, uh, and this is only important in Dallas or maybe Oklahoma, because here we rarely ever get damaged. The upright form is a little bit more cold-hardy. The upright form lends itself better to be being turned into a topiary. But uh, and I think both of them are very good in the kitchen. But your your really good chefs will tell you that the prostrate uh, is uh, is slightly tastier. It's another herb that loves full sun. The only real demand it has is it needs perfect drainage. It does not like uh, does not like heavy soils. Well, the vining one does that come back if it does get uh, freeze damage in it the de- winter? It depends. I, it's been twenty years since I've seen freeze damage on it, so it's rare. Uh, yes, it will come back. Right, it, most of the time it will come back. Now, first okay. year we were in business was nineteen eighty three, and then it went to five degrees and stayed there. And some of it died then, but I don't remember a single year that it's actually frozen and died since that time. Okay. All right. Well, you have a wonderful Easter, and I hope that the bunny rabbit comes to see you. <laughs> <laughs> we will do our – we have something for the kids, but we also do an adult Easter egg hunt with those little plastic eggs and uh, special surprises inside. So I'm uh, I'm just looking forward to a wonderful day. It's a very happy celebration of life in spring, and um, hope you and your family enjoy as well, Jeanette. It's always good to talk to you. We appreciate all for us well it's my great pleasure and i i will be on the air tomorrow so if you think of anything else i'll look forward to visiting with you and right now i'll move on and talk to dwight good morning dwight good morning bob what was the name of that vine vine you're talking about uh we were talking about rangoon r-e-n-g-o-o-n rangoon creeper very vigorous grower beautiful vine zero problems and just uh it gets big but it sure does reward you with uh, incredible blooming and you can get those pretty much anywhere or what i always say any good nursery most of the good nurserymen that i know carry them i doubt if you'll find them at the box stores but i don't think you ought to be shopping for plants at the box store we don't sell lumber and they shouldn't sell plants <laughs> but I think I agree with you. yeah, most of your good nurseries will carry it. It's gotten gotten increased in popularity over the past five years or so, and uh, I think it's much more widely available than it used to be. Okay, uh, a couple questions, Bob. My tomato plants uh, bottoms are turning yellow. What do you think the problem is? Does it seem to be spreading upwards? Yes. It probably is a a fungal disease called early blight. Um, You can control it with, uh, and and when I set out tomatoes, I usually sprinkle the soil around them with whole ground cornmeal to try to slow it down. You can control it with just about any good fungicide. Garlic will work. uh, Neem will work. You can soak uh, whole ground cornmeal in water for 24 hours, make in effect a uh, a cornmeal tea. Spray it with that, but uh, the yellowing starting at the base working upwards is a fungal disease called early blight. Okay. I had set that to put uh, the uh, cornmeal all over that garden area yeah. uh, for, for, for like two or three weeks. 
Well, so I guess I didn't, I didn't get enough of it. Well, and also it's just been cooler than usual. We've had a couple of good rains for a change. It tend to sp- kind of splash the fungal store spores out of the ground and up on the plants. Uh, just about everybody I talk to is that got their tomatoes out really early is fighting a little bit of early blight. Uh, there's another organic product. I believe it's called Serenade. That is, uh, Bacillus subtilis uh, is another one. There, there's several good organic controls for it, and just just get after it before it gets too too widespread on the plants. Okay, uh, love lies bleeding. Do you have that? It. I have never been real successful growing it here. Um, we have uh, now. Are you talking uh, the dicentra, the uh, the perennial? I won't really call it a shrub, but the low-growing clumping plant. Is that what you call Love's Lies Bleeding? Uh, it's supposed to be a flower, flowering plant of some sort. Yeah. It has a red, uh, the real red, long um yeah, it's awesome, it's it's much more commonly grown further north. I've never really been successful with it here. In fact, I haven't tried it in the past 10 or 15 years because uh, I grew some years ago when I worked with my old friend and mentor, Alton Grimm, and it's pretty for a little while, but it did not hold up well. So, uh, no, it's not something that we keep, not something I'm going to recommend to you real highly unless you're just looking for something to experiment with. Yes, sir. Uh, one last question. Uh, onion plants, when do you know when to, uh, they're ready to pull up and eat? That's a great question. Um, their onions do not ripen per se, and you could pull them up and eat them the day after you plant them, or, um, they will have reached their maximum size when the tops start to turn brown and fall over. But, uh, they, they taste, they taste good at any size that you want to harvest them. Now, some of your plants will try to go to seed on you. They'll put up that tall spike with flowers. When that happens, they've done all they're going to do. You might as well pull those and eat them. The ones that have flowered do not keep well. Uh, make those the first ones you eat. The ones that, uh, uh, grow to maturity, the tops turn brown and fall over, which usually happens in May or June. Uh, those things can be stored for some period of time. But anything that flowers, uh, pull it and eat it in the very near future. But um, as far as size, uh, they will continue to grow until the tops start dying. But you can harvest them and eat them anywhere from the size of a golf ball to the size of a softball. Okay, I, I cut that flower off. I thought that would stop the uh, no, process. No, go ahead and pull it and enjoy it because it's going to just rot in the ground if it sits there. Okay, Bob. Hey, thank you very much. You have a great Easter. You do the same, Dwight. It's always good to hear from you. All right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Rosa and Shannon, we'll get a third name up there for you very shortly. Good morning, Rosa. Uh, good morning. It's a beautiful morning. Isn't it? My, It was in the low 40s where I live up in Bernie, and that's chilly for April, but man, it feels good. It's. I just remember too many Aprils. We were spending a lot of time sweating by now, so I'm not complaining about beautiful mornings. How about you? No, I love it. I love it. But the only thing is I want to plant some plants in that big old black plastic tubs. Okay. 
But every time it seems they get full of ants, is there anything I can do to prevent them from getting in there? Well, see, what happens is uh, those ants, they go into a reproductive mode, and the queens actually fly around. And so there's no... There's no stopping them from, you know, flying in and setting up housekeeping almost anywhere. Now, if they do, there is a natural bait, and it's mainly fire ants are the ones that get in there, but there is a uh, bait that's harmless to people and pets called come and get it, and uh, you just sprinkle a little bit of that. If you see them show up in your pots, you sprinkle a tablespoon or two of this around. The workers take it down, feed it to the queen, and as they say, everybody dies. So uh, can't can't prevent them totally but you certainly can stop them if they show up and uh like say you can't build a barrier or anything because the queens are flying in so uh, i guess unless you had them inside a perfect greenhouse or something like that there's no way to totally head them off well is it all right to plant a tomato plant or absolutely absolutely Oh, okay. We can eat the the vegetables that are planted in there without. Yes, ma'am. Yes, is the come and get it just uh, has an attractant, and then it has some spinosad, and that's totally harmless to people and pets. That is fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That's what I needed to know. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Rosa. You have a happy Easter, and thanks for the call this morning. Thank you so Certainly. much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Oh, and by the way, yes, I, Dr. Kirby and I are both planning to do our shows tomorrow, so we'll start Sunday morning off with gardening, followed by the pet show, and then we'll get on to other Easter celebrations. Uh, next up on the phones is Shannon, then it'll be Leslie and Wes. Good morning, Shannon. Hi, good morning, Bob. Great good morning. To hear from you. Uh, to good, to hear you. <laughs> good to hear your voice. Hey, um, we have what we think is a poison oak or poison ivy problem. Okay. Um, we're out, out in Lavernia, and it's a new construction home out in the country, mm-hmm. and I have it just all, all over me, and I'm miserable, and we want to know the best, you know, most effective organic way to get rid of it. As they say, you're going to need an ocean, a calamine lotion, or however that old song went. Um, yeah. The uh, It is not a just a one-step process you know what i do and believe me it's you you have more of it when you go east but we have plenty of it in the hill country too but i will cut it off at ground level and then when it starts to re-sprout i hit it with a vinegar and orange oil mix and uh, it tries to re-sprout about three times and then it folds up and dies but um do not wear leather gloves or anything because that will absorb the toxic material in the sap uh, when you're going out. Or maybe you have a family member that's not as sensitive to it as you apparently are. But um, I don't think they are, yeah. Um, send them out to do the work. But uh, if I've got to handle it, I'm going to wear just old heavy-duty dishwashing gloves because you can wash the sap off of those but never handle it with leather gloves or it will impregnate the leather and then you've just ruined a pair of good gloves but cut it off at ground pull it out as best you can uh if it's grow is it growing up trees where where is it growing that you're fighting it well so and i just learned to identify it yesterday a neighbor came over and helped me Uh what i'm seeing are like i don't know if you would call them baby plants but little sprouts all over our front yard. He said it was everywhere. And I don't know that it's climbing up trees or not. Um, I don't think so. I think it's at the ground level. Okay, that's unusual. Um, I, uh, 
Oh, I'm not sure you're not looking at a nettle of some sort. But um, anyway, if you ever want to take a picture or something, bring by. But go around and spot treat with your vinegar orange oil. You will burn it back. It'll try to resprout a couple of times. But if you keep it from ever getting up really big, you can totally kill it. And I've done it plenty of times. But it... uh, um, uh, one thing about it, uh, you can put it in your compost pile. It will break down, but don't ever, ever burn it because uh, the smoke yes. will be very poisonous if you were to inhale it. But uh, um, that would be unusual to have it coming up just all over the yard. But uh, um, okay. I, you know, again, spraying it will work. Or I've got like a little mini grubbing hoe i've got a you know big grubbing hoe i use for chopping out all kinds of things but i've got a little smaller hand one with the blade on it's maybe inch and a half wide you could walk around and just you know chop with that cutting it off an inch below the surface and that will set it back or like to say you can spot treat with the vinegar orange oil mix but uh get after it don't let it get big no we won't and i think the reason why maybe it's sprouting up because my understanding is it it's a root system underground, yeah, correct? Yeah, right. Okay. See, they cleared the land to put the house, and I think it's coming back. I think that uh, we're seeing it where it's sandy. Okay. So where it's sandy, and there's not really any grass, and the the land was cleared for the yeah, house. That's yeah. where it's appearing at. Well, that's spray, kill everything you can. Are you ultimately okay. going to have grass in this area, or what are your long-term plans um, for these areas? And, and yes, that's another question. But yes, we, I mean, we do, we want to do some raised beds for sure for gardening, mm-hmm. but around the perimeter of the home, I don't know how many feet out, but enough to uh, prevent the soil erosion around our home. Yes, we would like to grass um, okay. put, or have grass. We're probably not sod, but if we could do seed, I just don't know if we'd have to have some dirt hauled in because it's very sandy. Well, you wouldn't want, you know, bringing in dirt wouldn't help that much. What you're going to do is plant your seed. And is this area sunny? Yes, it well, it gets morning sun. It gets morning and afternoon sun. Okay, well, Bermuda will grow if you have plenty of sun. It's about the only grass you can plant from seed. What you're going to do is get your grass up and growing, and then you're going to top dress it with some compost once or twice a year. And you're going to sort of build the soil from the top down rather than trying to bring in anything because it's just not practical. You bring in more weeds, you bring in more problems than you solve. But uh, Bermuda right. loves sun and loves sand. Uh, you provide okay. the water, it'll grow like a weed, and uh, you just uh, top dress it with a little compost spring and fall, and uh, it things will just get better and better. But the thing about having grass, with mowing it, uh, poison ivy, poison oak, both have to make a big top. And while I, well, I wouldn't mow barefoot anyway, but uh, um, where you're mowing it down, that's going to kill it out naturally. Okay. Okay. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to get some relief. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you said you're in the Seguin area or you're over east? Uh, Lavernia. We're at Lavernia, Lavernia. Sutherland okay. Springs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, until you can make it over, call, um, call Rhonda's Nature's Way. I just, Rhonda Bone is so smart about so many things and ask her what she's recommending for poison ivy. And uh, next time you're in town, run by and see them. I just, uh, you know, the old treatment was calamine lotion. 
<laughs> and oh, uh, yeah. but uh, there may be some better things out there. Fortunately, I stay away from it as a kid. I just, you know, I waited in it, not knowing any better and was not sensitive to it. But they say as we get older, you develop more of a sensitivity. So I'm not going to push my oh. luck and be in it intentionally. But I, I, I'm glad that I can't give you any personal advice. And I'm sorry I can't give you any personal advice. But right. if yes. you if you need good, healthy help, call Rhonda. Uh, they're just wonderful okay. people and happily share anything they can with you as far as uh, getting getting that itch under control. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Well, congratulations on your new place, and uh, you call me anytime I can help. Yes, sir. Have a blessed Easter. You do the same, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly. Bye-bye. All right. Back to gardening on this beautiful Easter Saturday morning. It's supposed to be the same kind of day tomorrow, just not quite as chilly starting out. And uh, I just, I don't know. This is is just a beautiful, beautiful Easter weekend. Uh, Let's talk to Leslie and then to Wes. Uh, Let me hit the right button there. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Um, Bob, I have a question. I have a patch of um, blue bonnets that, you know, has basically gone to seed. They haven't, well, most of them haven't popped open yet. But okay. Is it is it okay just to mow that off and, you know, leave the seeds to, well, of course. you know, sprout yeah. later? Or That's what Mother yeah. Nature's been doing for centuries, not mowing, but, you know, wildfires and everything uh-huh. else. Get out your... your you know what the seed pods look like, obviously. Yes, uh-huh. They don't have to have popped open, but wait until they've at least yellowed uh, before yeah, uh-huh. you mow, because uh, the the seed is pretty much mature once they begin to discolor. Now, okay. it would be best if you could let them pop open, but with the dummies and code compliance and things like that that are making people mow their wildflowers too early (laughs) you you may have to do it but the longer you can put it off uh the more viable seed you will get out there and um yeah it's they reseed themselves even companies like wild seed farm that grow blue bonnets and then collect the seed they've got these big vacuums and things they used to go through and get the seed and they say they still figure they only get about 30 percent of the seed so Blue bonnets tend to make a lot of seed, and if you had a pretty blue bonnet patch this year, if the weather cooperates, mm-hmm. it's going to be three times prettier next year. Okay. Um, I have a question regarding oxalis. Um, mm-hmm. I had a ridiculous amount of oxalis um, <laughs> this year. You know, and every time I see it, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get it up. They don't put that in, in wide wildflower seed mixes, do they? Because... I mean, it was just crazy. No, they they don't. Now there are some ornamental oxalis that are absolutely gorgeous, but uh, I know which one you're talking about. It's a little weedy one. It it just uh-huh. this is a perfect year for it. It was too cool for our native grasses to get started early, or I mean, our, our established grasses were very slow to come out. Uh, we had enough moisture for the oxalis to grow, but it just didn't have anything to compete with it. And if you've ever watched it, speaking of seed, it makes that little pod. And then when it bursts open, it throws the seed several feet in every direction. It just, uh, this was the perfect year for oxalis. And, you know, our, our grasses like Bermuda and St. Augustine are still just barely starting to come out because we were in the low forties this morning. So no, it, it didn't come with your wildflower seed, but it's an opportunist and it, uh, this was just best year it's had in several years. Okay. Um, 
Let's see. I wanted to um, say that, uh, you know, the gentleman that was asking about the love lies bleeding. Right. I, I grew that, oh, gosh, a few years back. Uh-huh. It's amaranth. Oh, okay, you know? amaranth. I was thinking yeah, of... amaranth. Okay. Um, and, but, but what I needed to say was, um, you know... It's that long, you know, tendril right. flower, and right. each one of those little teeny flowers is going to make a seed, yep. and it became a weed in my garden. I have mine, too. Malcolm Beck gave yeah. me some of it, and I regretted that. Yeah. I was. Uh, they also called dicentra, which is one I was thinking of, love lies bleeding, but the amaranth. Yeah. Amaranth is actually an edible uh, seed. Yeah. They, uh-huh. It's and a you green. Can the, you can actually eat the greens, too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Just be sure yeah. you like it before you plant it, and uh, yeah, it's, well, I appreciate you. <laughs> reminded me of that leslie i sure do yeah and and i think that was it bob and i appreciate you well i hope you have a wonderful easter holiday and uh and you do the same i appreciate it we'll talk again leslie and have a great weekend thank you you. bye-bye bye all right we finish up the hour with wes good morning wes Uh, good morning bob how are you today i'm great thank you how about you i'm doing well beautiful morning oh it is Uh, it really is yeah. yeah Two quick questions for you. Um, question number one: I um, is it possible to uh, spread Bermuda seed too early? I spread some at the beginning of uh, March, and uh, I know it's obviously a warmer weather grass. Mm-hmm. Will it just uh, wait uh, for the soil to get warm enough and wet enough, or do you think I might have put it down too early? I think you put it down seed? too early. In fact, I think it's still too early. I'm I'm not recommending people put uh, Bermuda seed down until the soil temperature really needs to get hot. Um, We don't know what the ants, the birds, uh, you know, what they've done to the seeds you have down. You may get some of it to germinate. Is this a big area or is this a relatively small area? Uh, It's about two acres. Yeah, well... Uh, I certainly would give it a little time to see, but I'm I'm not surprised that it hasn't sprouted. And until we okay. start having regular weather up in the 90s, it's not going to. Um, okay. If we get adequate moisture, I'm sure there is a reasonable amount of it uh, still there, but just watch it. If you feel like you're not getting a high enough rate of germination, you can put a little bit more seed out, but, uh, boy, not uh, the rate is going, it's going to be mid May or maybe even later before I really feel like it's going to be time to plant it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I would have waited. That seed's not cheap. Uh, but I, uh, good to know. We'll keep an eye on it and, uh, and respread if need be. Um, Second question, I have a, a, a couple of groves of oak trees, and, and in between those oak trees, I've got um, hackberry trees that uh, are just scattered in there, and it's it's, it's really tight uh, in there. And I mm-hmm. remember my grandfather back in the day doing this process, and I'm, I might be saying this word wrong, but it, I believe it was called gird, girdling. Girdling, uh, is, uh, girdling will work, but you have to be patient because it takes a year to kill a tree when you girdle it, sometimes even a little longer. And okay. uh, uh, let me go quickly here, but if you imagine the structure of the tree trunk, 
The center of the trunk is called xylem. It's what takes water from the roots to the top of the tree. Right out just underneath the bark is the tissue called phloem, P-H-L-O-E-M, which takes the nutrients from the leaves down to the roots because the roots can't make any, can't generate any energy. They have no chlorophyll and they don't get the sunlight, obviously. So when you girdle, you peel the bark back, maybe three or four inches wide, all the way around the trunk. And then you just step back and wait. The tree doesn't know it. It's already dead, but it doesn't know it yet. You've cut off the nutrient supply to the roots. The tree continues to look great because the xylem's fine. It's moving all that water up right. to the top. But the root yeah. gradually exhausts their nutrient supply, and then the tree just folds up and dies. That's the way our forefathers cleared the land.